Hey guys, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I had tried different diets, exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that really thrives on you not getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love. Play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business all while feeling great. To give a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to access my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and that the show is really sponsored by you guys. Each of you that works with me that I am able to take on as a client helps me to be able to keep putting out these podcasts for free. So I just want to thank you, each of you, for your love and support. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horaski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 79. In today's episode, I interview gluten guru and author of The Autoimmune Fix, Dr. Tom O'Brien. Be sure to stick around for the end of the episode to learn the difference between common and normal, why preventing autoimmunity really starts in your 20s, but might still be able to reverse at any age, and the simple things you can do right now to put off chronic disease. I also want to quick apologize about the audio quality. I'm on vacation and the internet reception wasn't the best, but do not worry as Dr. O'Brien still just crushes it and really gives some amazing info that I hope you guys can all take home right now. Alrighty guys, and welcome to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast. And on the line today, I have Dr. Tom O'Brien. Now, Dr. O'Brien, first question I ask everybody who comes on the show is, tell us about your health journey in 10 sentences or less. My health journey? Uh, that's a good one. I'm kind of a laugh. You know, I'm known as the uh, gluten guy in the world. I've been teaching about this for many, many years. Uh, but truth be told, I was a baker uh, living in Ann Arbor in the late 60s, early 70s, hair down to my waist and in a uh, organic health food restaurant back then and hand baking 48 loaves a day of just the best, densest bread, unleavened bread that would rise over 24 hours without added yeast. Uh, we, we got the system down really well. And people would come from all over to uh, get this bread. Literally, they'd drive 20 miles to get a loaf for the family. It was that kind of bread. And uh, it would come out of the oven, and I'd slice off an end piece about an inch, and I'd smother it with peanut butter, you know, protein. We're going to get protein, right? And then I'd put honey on it, natural honey, of course, natural, and then sliced bananas. Well, you, you know, fruit's good for you. So I was eating a blood sugar time bomb, just a complete time bomb, and had no clue. But I was being healthy, you know, and I had this vision of being healthy, uh, so uh, what I learned from that experience, and I had hypoglycemia for many, many years, uh, maybe before that from the Mountain Dew I grew up on, uh, but certainly afterwards it was fueled uh, and continued. What I learned is that the belief systems we have, we think we're right, but there's a difference between 
universal truth and my truth. So my truth is I was eating organic, whole wheat bread, the best of the best, uh, with uh, uh, pure peanut butter. Uh, we grind our own nuts, peanut butter in the restaurant, and pure wild honey, uh, uh, and bananas, and well, it's the best of the best. Well, no, uh, a slice of whole wheat bread um, has as much sugar, uh, your body thinks you're getting as much sugar as eating a Snickers bar. Actually, more sugar than a Snickers bar. The glycemic index is higher on whole wheat bread than it is on a Snickers bar. And so your body makes more insulin and all the complications that can occur from that. But I thought I was right. It was whole wheat bread. So what we think is right, uh, I guess if there's a message I would give, it's that we learn to be stay open and not be rigid in your belief system. Be strong in your belief system, but don't be rigid. Because as you learn more information, you go, wow, I was a little misguided on that one. And now that brings us, I mean, even up until today, I mean, I'm sure there's been a lot there, but you've recently come out with the autoimmune fix. And I think autoimmunity is one of those things that is really misunderstood uh, in the population. And if you wouldn't mind going about really giving your definition uh, of autoimmunity, and I was even checking out in the book, I, even expanding upon the weak link in that and really how that comes into play for a lot of people, please. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Sure. You bet. Um, autoimmunity means your immune system is attacking your own tissue. And uh, it's a defense mechanism we have to protect us. Now, when we, um, you, you rebuild your entire body every seven years. Some cells turn over really quickly every two to three days, or excuse me, every three to five days, the inside lining of your gut, you get a new lining to your gut. Some cells like your bone cells every five years, six years, but every cell turns over. There's a whole new you every seven years. Now, in order for that to occur, you have to get rid of the old cells, the damaged cells, uh, uh, worn out cells to make room for new cells. And that's where your immune system comes into play. That's why it's normal to have a uh, reference range, within the reference range, antibodies to your thyroid or to your brain or to your adrenals or to your muscles. There's a normal reference range level. It's okay to have that. But when you have an elevated level of antibodies to your thyroid or your brain or your muscles, whatever it should be, now you're killing off more tissue than you're making. That's what the H on a blood test would say. It mean high means it's too high. You're losing more cells than you're making. That is an autoimmune mechanism that will progress into an autoimmune disease. And the autoimmune, so autoimmunity is not bad for you but excess autoimmunity is bad for you. And that's what Hashimoto's thyroid disease is, that's what multiple sclerosis is, rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, uh, vitiligo, uh, common in young people to have these white spots on their skin where the color's gone in some spot, piece, places in their skin. It can be just a little bit or it can be half their body. Uh, so there's different degrees of manifestation, but that's an autoimmune disease. My daughter would get that when she was a teenager. And she said, dad, dad, dad. Said, okay, honey, well, you, you know what to do. I mean, my kids know what a clean life looks like, but they're their own kids, and they would revolt a little and you know, do their own thing. And, uh, but when she got that, when her skin was affected, she cleaned it up immediately, and within two months, it was gone, and the, the normal color came back. 
And a couple times over years in college, she would have it come back again. And that's when she'd wake up and clean it up again, you know. So and now she's a little older and she lives a squeaky clean life now all the time because she doesn't have time to be not at her best. Right. So um, she's learned over the years and all of us have to learn. Same thing. But autoimmunity, autoimmune disease is when you've killed off enough tissue that your tissue can't function properly anymore. And now you start getting symptoms. And when you start getting symptoms, you have them for a while, you kind of live with them. The average is it takes three to five years to get the right diagnosis of an autoimmune disease after the symptoms have already begun. So what the book is about, the autoimmune fix, little plug here for the book. Absolutely, please do. <laughs> what the book is about is to give everyone an understanding of what is this and what do I do about it? How do I reverse it? Um, and I'd like to talk about the importance of this concept and why every one of you needs to understand this. We think of cardiovascular disease as the number one cause of getting sick and dying and cancer as being number two. Uh, the National Institute of Health tells us 22 million people a year are diagnosed with cardiovascular disease. Nine million people a year are diagnosed with cancer. 24 million people a year are diagnosed with autoimmune disease. And only one out of three is diagnosed. So that means there's at least 72 million people out there with this autoimmune mechanism going on. So that by itself is just huge. That's the largest, most prominent disease that people get of anything is your immune system attacking yourself going crazy t killing off too many cells but now on top of that when you learn if you read the studies cardiovascular disease is autoimmune cancer is autoimmune in its initiation so when you put those in there what becomes the number one mechanism for getting sick and dying in the world it's your immune system attacking yourself. That's why everyone needs to learn, okay, what does that mean and how do I prevent that? And it's not rocket science, you know, that autoimmune disease is um, all degenerative diseases, all of them are diseases of inflammation. It's always inflammation at the cellular level, the cells on fire. It just depends, is it a brain cell or a kidney cell? Is it gasoline or kerosene causing the fire? So the first rule of thumb with any degenerative disease is stop throwing gasoline on the fire. I mean, it's just common sense. Well, what does that mean? It means you have to find out are there foods you are sensitive to, like perhaps wheat or dairy, or maybe Coca-Cola is not so good for you. You know, that you have to find out those kinds of things, right? And so we give you the guidelines here on how to start asking the questions. And where do you look? in terms of how your body's functioning, what might not be working up to speed, and you, I feel okay. Well, okay is not good enough, because okay means it's not really great, so something is kind of sliding right now, and how far along has it slid? No, I'm fine, I'm fine. You're fine, huh? Yeah. Well, how much coffee do you Oh, I only have four cups a day. Well, just a minute, let's just have a, an injection of nitro right now, right? That people that are doing that kind of stimulant on a daily basis, it's because they need it, because their core energy is actually wearing down. And so the question is, why is my energy wearing down? And then how do I address that? That's what this whole book is about, is to ask the right questions so that you can find out what's going on in your life so that you can get rid of that fatigue 
You can get rid of that brain fog. You can get rid of those extra pounds that you can't get rid of, that all of that starts to fade away when you learn how to treat this body like a fine-tuned machine. Now, Dr. O'Brien, one of the things you talked about in there too was three to five years to even get the right diagnosis after the symptoms have began. Right. And talking about even like predictive autoimmunity in, in the book and stuff, please expand upon that because, hey, I, I'm, I just turned 31 years old. It's like now is when I'm going to be preventing things like Alzheimer's, any of these other degenerative diseases. But I understand that. Can you explain why that's such a big deal to start in 20s, 30s, teens? I mean, all of the above going forward for everybody. That's a really good question. That's a really good question. If, uh, if somebody has a heart attack and they survive the heart attack, they know that if they clean up their life and do a little exercise, they've got many years left in front of them, right? We all have that impression. Someone gets diagnosed with cancer. If you catch it early, do the right protocols, you can put it remission, you, you know you've got some time. But what if you're diagnosed with a brain degeneration disease? That scares everybody. Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia, that scares the hell out of everybody. Well, nobody gets Alzheimer's in their 60s or 70s. You get Alzheimer's in your 20s and 30s. It's a decades-long process of killing off cells, killing off cells, killing off cells, killing off cells, until you start making jokes where, say, you know, I'm getting old. I don't remember like I used to. I forget stuff. Oh, how old are you? Well, I'm 38. No, no, that's not supposed to happen. You're supposed to be able to learn new languages in your 70s. Your brain is supposed to be like this. It, it's not supposed to wear out. Now, it commonly does wear out because there's been fire going on for many, 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 many years. Look, Dale Bredesen, Dr. Dale Bredesen at the Buck Institute at UCLA, that's the Alzheimer's Research Institute at UCLA, he published a paper reversing card-carrying Alzheimer's in nine out of 10 people within five years. And how did he do it? It's a checklist. Do they have this? Do they have this? Do they have food sensitivities? Do they have elevated homocysteine? Do they have elevated CRP? Do they have dairy sensitivities? Uh, do, um, do they have good microbiota? Or do they have too much bad bacteria in their gut? So just a 34-point checklist. And what everyone needs to realize is we need to learn the checklist. The checklist because you can't let your health rest in the hands of your doctors anymore. Doctors are trained to identify disease. Disease occurs at the end stage. You don't start with disease, you start with dysfunction. And so if you catch it when it's dysfunction, here's an example to your question of predictive antibodies. A researcher named uh, Melissa Arbuckle, uh, she's an MD, PhD, in 2002, she went to the VA and she looked for people with lupus, the autoimmune disease lupus. She found 130 people with lupus in this one VA center. Now, if they're in a VA center, they're veterans. If they're veterans, they were in the armed forces. If they were in the armed forces, they had their blood drawn many times over the years when they were in the armed forces. And people don't know this. The government's been saving and freezing all of that blood since 1978. They've got tens of millions of samples of our service people's blood. People don't know this. So Arbuckle asked for permission to look at the blood of the currently diagnosed lupus patients when they were healthy in the Navy or in the Air Force. And what did she find? Every single one of them, every one of them, 
had the antibodies for lupus, there are seven antibodies to lupus, all seven of them were elevated years beforehand. The average was five years and went as far as nine years back that she could check. They had the antibodies elevated, killing off tissue, killing off tissue, killing off tissue, killing off tissue, but they felt fine. And until you kill off enough, and each of these antibodies went up every year that she looked at, they go up higher, higher, higher. Then when they finally plateaued within six months to a year, they got symptoms. And then it took them 18 months to two years to get the diagnosis of lupus. When did they get lupus? They got lupus back here when the antibodies started elevating, killing off their tissue, right? So no one had ever done that before. And immunologists all over the world said, that's brilliant. Let's go back to blood banks and let's look at people with diabetes. Let's look at people with Parkinson's. Let's look at people with rheumatoid arthritis. Let's look at people with celiac. And they found every disease they looked at, the antibodies were elevated years before there were ever any symptoms. So the scientists came up with what's referred to as the PPV, the positive predictive value, that if you have elevated antibodies to your thyroid, as an example, especially postpartum, if you have elevated antibodies, you have a 92% likelihood you're developing Hashimoto's thyroid disease within seven years, 92%. If you have the elevated antibodies for rheumatoid arthritis, depending on which ones, it's between a 42 and a 58% likelihood you're getting rheumatoid within three years. Rheumatoid arthritis is when your joints get all deformed. If you have antibodies to a yeast that's normal in your gut, to have this yeast, it's called Saccharomyces cerevisiae. If you have elevated antibodies to Saccharomyces cerevisiae, it's close to 100%. You're getting Crohn's disease within three years. And if you've ever known anyone with Crohn's, it's no fun. And people have their guts cut out and thrown away after the Crohn's get so bad. So if you look at this window before the symptoms begin, Get a blood test done and you see, where's the weak link in my chain right now? Where are the antibodies elevated? And what do I mean by the weak link? You pull at a chain, it breaks at the weakest link. It's at one end, the middle, the other end, your heart, your brain, your liver, your kidneys. Wherever your weak link is, you pull at the chain, that's where you're going down, right? And the pull on the chain is inflammation. So first, where's the weak link? Where are the antibodies elevated? And you find that out, and then the second, What's pulling on the chain? Where's the inflammation coming from? Is it heavy metals? Gosh, I like sushi. Maybe I've been eating too much sushi. Maybe you got mercury toxicity. Uh, is it food sensitivities? Maybe you have a sensitivity to wheat or to dairy. Is it um, uh, toxic chemicals? Maybe there's too much bisphenol A. Hold on. I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's cutting out for a second there. Right oh. when you started talking about sushi, everything went really fuzzy. A lot of people like sushi. Uh, still sounding fuzzy here. I'm gonna. What I'm gonna do? I'm gonna just try turning the video off for a second. And see if that helps. Okay. There. Okay. How's that now? Let me hear. Um. Um. It. It sounds the same as before to me. Okay. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm seeing you on a little bit of a delay, but everything sounds better now. Okay. Okay. So does that mean that I'm still on uh, video with you? Uh, no, so I just shut the video off right now. What I'll do, like I said, I'm, I'm still recording the audio. Um, so if you want to just pick up kind of with the, I, I think sushi was kind of where everything started fading there. Good, good. So maybe it's uh, 
maybe it's heavy metals. And oh my gosh, I love sushi. So is it sushi? And you have mercury toxicity from the tuna. Um, is it bisphenol A? Because you put that plastic lid on your coffee cup uh, when you get coffee to go at Starbucks or wherever you go for your coffee. That plastic is loaded with bisphenol A. The steam from the coffee rises up to the underside of the lid and condenses and drips back down into the coffee full of bisphenol A. And then you put that up to your lips. And so all the hot liquid comes up against the underside of the lid, pulls more bisphenol A that comes to that hole as you're drinking it. And you get more of this toxic chemical bisphenol A. What's the problem with that? It binds to your estrogen receptor sites. And what, guys, one of the fastest growing cancers for men, don't like to talk about this, is breast cancer. And it, it's, there's a lot of toxic chemicals that bind onto your estrogen receptors, like bisphenol A, and set you up for these types of conditions. Or low testosterone can be from toxic chemical exposures. So it's just a question, is it gasoline or kerosene? Where is it coming from? So there's a whole lot to learn as to where the gasoline is coming from, where is the inflammation coming from, where is the pull on the chain coming from. But if you don't understand the mechanism, and that's what this book is about, is the mechanism and some of the places to look to see where is it coming from. If you don't understand the mechanism, you, you never look. And if you never look, then eventually you kill off enough cells that you don't have a choice because now the symptoms are really bad. And now you've got the symptoms of lupus or thyroid disease and you can't lose weight even if you try or celiac disease or arthritis or brain dysfunction. Uh, uh, unfortunately, most of us don't act until we have dysfunction that's so bad that it interferes with our life. And that's a long way down the road. That's much more difficult to come back from than if you can nip it in the bud before you kill off so much tissue. So one of the things you just mentioned in there was celiac disease. And this is one thing that comes up a lot when I'm working just some of my patients that are highly inflamed and very resistant to things. They'll say, well, I've been tested for it, so on and so forth. Well, I don't have uh, celiac disease. But can you explain the difference between maybe like the wheat allergy, the gluten sensitivity, the gluten intolerance? Because these all get jumbled into one oftentimes for people. And I think that th there's just a misunderstanding uh, of the differences between them. That's a really good question, Nick. Thanks for that. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, we grew up, uh, all of us in uh, healthcare uh, and in research, grew up cutting our teeth on wheat problems being manifested as celiac disease. That's the end stage of one manifestation of a problem with wheat. Celiac disease, your intestines are a tube. The tube is 20, 25 feet long from the mouth to the other end, kind of winds around in your abdomen. Think, think of a donut. If you could take a donut and just stretch a donut out and look down the center of the hole, that's your intestines, right? It's one long tube. The inside of the tube is lined with shag carpeting. This shag is where calcium is absorbed, this one magnesium, this one, this one the fish oils, this one good proteins, the amino acids. All the shags absorb different nutrients. Celiac disease is when your shags wear down and you've got berber. And if you've got berber, you don't absorb nutrients. If you don't absorb nutrients very well, you get diseases. What disease? Any disease. Depending on which nutrients you're not absorbing. That's why celiac can manifest as so many different diseases. That's one of the reasons why. That's celiac disease, and that one is so obvious when it's at an end stage that that was how everyone cut their teeth 
on learning about a problem with wheat. But for the last 15 years, we've known that there are many, many people that have a sensitivity to wheat, but when you test them for celiac, they don't have celiac. They've got something else. And the term that, kind of the throw it on one category term, has been non-celiac gluten sensitivity. And um, that means you don't have celiac, but you, you got a problem with gluten. Well, it actually should be non-celiac wheat sensitivity because there's other components to wheat besides the proteins of gluten. But non-celiac gluten sensitivity, non-celiac wheat sensitivity doesn't matter as long as you understand that wheat and the, the components of wheat are a problem. Now, who are they a problem for? They're a problem for everyone. Harvard published the paper last year. Just go online and type in Holland, H-O-L-L-O-N, and Fasano, F-A-S-A-N-O, Holland and Fasano, and non-celiac gluten sensitivity. And here come the papers that show that when they, they looked at celiac patients who had been gluten-free for two years, meaning their guts had healed, celiac patients who had just been diagnosed, so they still had their shags worn down, People with wheat sensitivity that didn't have celiac, they were called non-celiac gluten-sensitive people, and people that had no known problem with wheat. They looked at four different groups, and they checked them all. And what did they find? They found that when they exposed each of these groups to wheat, everyone developed this thing called intestinal permeability, or the slang term is leaky gut. Everyone, every group, everyone. Let me say that differently. Everyone developed intestinal permeability. And in their paper, they say all humans cannot digest wheat. Now, that might not be clear for some people. Some people listening may consider themselves more of a Neanderthal, and they're going to do their bagels anyway. But all humans have a problem with wheat. Whether you get sick from it or not, because if you throw gasoline on the fire, and wheat is a gasoline on the fire, the weak link in your chain may be your brain. And you can't tell that you're killing off brain cells right now. You can't feel that. If the weak link in your chain is your gut, like in celiac disease, you're, you're kind of blessed. Because when you eat something, you just feel sick. And it's kind of hard to argue with you when you feel that way. But if you eat something and you wake up the next day and you got a headache, you never think that, oh, wait, maybe it's the pasta I had last night. You don't think that way. But what we know now is that every human has a problem with wheat, whether they feel it or not. And that's why you want to check. So celiac disease is a very important component of a wheat-related disorder, but it's only one component. Many of our doctors were trained to look for celiac disease and they still believe, you don't have celiac, you don't have a problem, don't worry about it. See, here's a test, you're negative for celiac. So I don't think anyone should be tested just for celiac disease. I think they should be comprehensively tested for a sensitivity to wheat. So now I'm gonna talk about what are the different tests. So, and it's, it's all in the book, but so that you understand this, what are the different tests? Mrs. Patient, think of protein like a pearl necklace. Hydrochloric acid undoes the clasp of the pearl necklace. That's the acid that's produced in your stomach. It undoes the clasp of the pearl necklace. Now you have a string of pearls. Your digestive enzymes act like scissors to cut off each pearl of the pearl necklace. And then those pearls of the pearl necklace get absorbed right through the shags into the bloodstream. 
So your shags have a cheesecloth around them that only let really small things get through, single amino acids, or maybe two amino acids together. It's called a dipeptide, maybe, uh, but it's supposed to be single amino acids that go through the cheesecloth in the shags of the intestines. The problem with wheat is that no human can break it down into each pearl of the pearl necklace. We don't have the scissors. We don't have the enzymes for it. No human does. So the best we can do is cut it into clumps of pearls. There's a 33 pearl clump, a 19 pearl clump, a 17 pearl clump. There's over 60 different clumps of the pearl necklace that can stimulate an immune response and cause intestinal permeability, which means tearing the cheesecloth. There's over 60. But the most common one, which is the 33 pearl amino acid called alpha-glidin, that is the only one that most laboratories check for when they check you for a sensitivity to wheat. They check you for alpha-glidin. That's it. That's it. But wait, there's over 60 different pearls or different clumps of pearls that may trigger inflammation in the gut and tear the cheesecloth. How come we're only checking one? There's no answer to that question. A laboratory came out six years ago called Cyrex Lab, C-Y-R-E-X, and they look at 10 different clumps of the pearl necklace, including the primary one, but nine others. So you don't get the false negatives. Everybody who, there are so many people that have done a blood test to see if they have a sensitivity to wheat, it comes back negative. Their doctor says they're fine, but they know when they eat wheat, they don't feel good. And they, they can't make sense of it. Well, it's stress. No, it's not. The test wasn't thorough enough. The test only looked at one clump of the pearl necklace. There are many different clumps. So when you test for sensitivity to wheat, you want to test with a more comprehensive test. There's a few labs now that are using more comprehensive tests. It's all outlined in the book, and it's also on my website. You can find that information there. But um, see, that's why this stuff is so important so that when you say, well, okay, all humans have a problem with wheat, okay, maybe I should check that, all right? So that when you go and you're going to spend the money for a test, you get the right test. Because doctor, most doctors don't know this. They still think in the thinking mode of celiac disease, which is important, but it's only one manifestation of a problem with wheat. It's much bigger. So not everybody out there I know is going to go and get all of these specific tests. What really not only as far as diet goes, but really lifestyle in general, what maybe factors, what are the, some of the top things that they can do to really help, uh, I guess maybe heal the gut, but also help reverse, as, as we said, like uh, the, the Alzheimer's um, uh, case we talked about, you can even reverse Alzheimer's. What are going to be some of the top things that people need to do overall for their lifestyle to really help reverse any of these diseases? That's a, that's a good question. I, um, um, I outline that in the book. It's, uh, I say, you know, give me three weeks. Give me three weeks. No wheat, none. No dairy, none. No sugar, none. No sugar-flavored coffees. No sugar-flavored drinks, none, for three weeks. And just notice how you feel. And almost everyone notices they feel so much better. Their brain's sharper. Their energy's up. Now you're a little bit closer to feeling the way humans are supposed to feel. You know, as opposed to being fatigued, drugged out on caffeine or stimulants uh, and having to rev up the engine to get you going because your, your body is so tired. So three weeks, no, no dairy, no sugar, no wheat for three weeks. 
squeaky clean. And notice what happens. There are a few people, maybe 5% or less, that they still don't feel great. And for those people, you continue, but for the next three weeks, you also add no grains whatsoever. No rice, no um, quinoa, no oats. Just get away from grains, go more direction in paleo, stay away from grains completely, and gluten and dairy. And notice what happens. So for some people, they need to avoid grains completely, and then they feel much better. But when you start there, that's like a wake-up call, you know. That just, wow, look at, look at how I'm feeling. Wow, I'm functioning pretty good here. This is great. Then go out and have a pizza. And notice you feel sick as a dog the next day. You're just, you have no energy. You don't want to get out of bed. You're all bloated. You just, I don't want to. You've got an attitude. You might be barking at people. You just notice the difference, man. And when you're caught doing that, it's hard to remember, you know, but just be conscious that, all right, I did the pizza challenge last night. So how am I doing today? Wow, I'm not doing very good at all. Wow, it can't be pizza. It's, got, it's her. It's her. You know, it's him. It's him. You know, and our minds will try and play games because we love our pizza. Uh, but do the trial. That's the first thing, first step. The next step that I talk about, uh, if there's only one thing that you were going to do to focus on more than anything else, only one thing, should I take vitamin C or should I take extra fish oils or what, what, what should I do? One thing. What's the one thing that's going to have the most bang for your buck? Build a healthy microbiome in your gut. The microbiome in your gut, there are so many papers now, literally thousands, and more are coming out every single day. I'm not exaggerating. There's a lot, a lot of work in this field right now about the bacteria in your gut. And bigger picture, the microbiome, because the microbiome includes the viruses and the fungi and the bacteria in your gut. How do you build a healthy microbiome? Well, if you have the resources, you get the test to see What's my microbiome like right now? And many people find that it's way out of balance because we live in America and uh, it's, it's a real problem here with the foods that we've grown up on. It's just wiped out our microbiota. Um, and so what I recommend that everyone does, irrespective of what level of health they're currently at, everyone does this. You go to the store, maybe if, if there's a Whole Foods in your area, and you get non-pasteurized, not be pasteurized, uh, fermented vegetables. You get some sauerkraut, some kimchi. You get four or five different kinds. You get curry flavor. You get uh, Italian flavor. You get kombucha. And, but, but in the vegetables, you get four or five different vegetables, different types. And every day, you walk past your refrigerator with a fork, and you just take one forkful of fermented vegetables. What ferments the vegetables are the good bacteria that live in your gut. That's what maintains the vegetables, kind of preserves them, and uh, the vegetables are the food that the bacteria use to grow. So when you get different types of vegetables, different types of fermented vegetables, they're different families of the good bacteria. And what you want to do is inoculate, inoculate yourself, re-inoculate every day with just a forkful of kimchi. The next day, it's a forkful of sauerkraut. The next day, it's a forkful of uh, fermented beets. The next day, it's a forkful of the curry flavor. And because you're getting different families of the good bacteria that you're inoculating with. What we're learning, um, I just got off stage two days, two days ago in Baltimore teaching 375 doctors 
this concept. Same thing I'm telling you is that it, the importance of the microbiome, it's, it's the most important organ in the body. For every one message from the brain going down to tell the gut what to do, there are nine messages in the gut going up to tell the brain what to do. That the neurotransmitters, the nerve hormones that you make, are controlled by the bacteria in the gut. The bacteria in your gut determine, do I make enough serotonin or do I not have enough? And then you get depression. Do I make enough uh, 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 melatonin? And if you don't have enough, you don't sleep very well. Uh, but those are controlled, it's called modulated, by the bacteria in your gut. So anything you can do to help your gut. So the first thing, just inoculate yourself every day with a different family of fermented vegetables. The second thing, go online and type up list of pre-PRE prebiotic foods. And just look at the whole list and make sure every day that you get at least one serving, preferably two or three servings of prebiotics with the fermented vegetables that are the probiotics in the same day. So every day you're feeding the bacteria with prebiotics. Uh, so the colonies that are down there in your gut, you're eating different prebiotics because they're different types of food. I mean, some days you like apple pie, some days it's pumpkin pie, right? So you want to give different prebiotics to the microbiome every day and you inoculate with different probiotics every day by eating the fermented vegetables. If there was only one thing you were going to do, that's it. And I list, I, I go through that in detail in the book and how do you make your own fermented vegetables if you want to. And that's something that I love. I, I just made some uh, pickled beets for the first time actually last week. Uh, just making pickles, sauerkraut. I, I, I find it hard to beat, and I agree. It doesn't take a lot. You don't have to eat a, a pint, a quart of this like all the time. No, it's, it's just that little bit over time. Now, look, so some people are pretty sick, right? And so doing the forkful every day is great, but I was on stage last Monday with my friend Dr. Terry Walls. Uh, Dr. Walls is a brain neural researcher, and uh, she works for the VA in Iowa, and uh, she developed MS, of all things, right? You're a brain researcher, and you developed the disease of the brain, MS. And, but she had cutting-edge technology available to her because she was at the top of her field. And so she applied these cutting-edge protocols, but she kept getting worse and worse and worse until seven years into this, she's now in a wheelchair. She can't walk, and her brain's not working very well at all. And that's when she realized, I better do something about this outside the box, because what I'm doing inside the box is not working. So she looked for some other research, and she found a study about animals that had been given MS, and that it was reversed when they changed their diets. So she dug deep into this. She went gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, and she started eating tons of vegetables and started taking bone broth. And she reversed her MS to one year later from a wheelchair. You see the pictures of her, and she looks really bad in a wheelchair and just trying to function. One year later, she rode her bike 20 miles in one day, 20 miles. And we were on stage together last Monday in Chicago. And uh, uh, as she started getting better, she was treating her brain-damaged patients at the VA with what she was doing. They started getting better. And these are vets back from Afghanistan and uh, Iraq and uh, uh, those that suffered from Agent Orange and 
and uh, explosions and, and PTSD and lost some limbs. These are all, all bets on disability. And she said, Tom, these guys don't have any money. They're on disability. They can't do any fancy tests and they can't afford a lot of vitamins. So, and she started getting such good results. Uh, uh, her peers filed complaints against her and they, they were jealous, uh, saying she was doing unproven therapies. And when the investigation occurred, her unproven therapies were vegetables, eat more vegetables. And, uh, but she got such great results that eventually the VA in Washington sent a team out to Iowa just this last year to check her out. What are you doing out here getting such great results? How are you doing that? And they were so blown away. They've just recently given her a $1.5 million grant to document what she's doing with these people pre and post tests, the fancy tests that none of these people could afford, pre and post tests, and then to write up the research papers for the entire VA system because it's working and it's cheap. And this is what she does. 12 cups of vegetables a day, 12 cups. Now there's not much room for pasta if you're eating 12 cups of vegetables a day, <laughs> right? And uh, uh, wheat-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, what I talk about in the book, 12 cups of vegetables a day and a quart of bone broth a day, a quart. And she teaches these guys how to make their bone broth. How do you make bone broth? You put some bones in water, you turn on the gas. Now, now you got bone broth. You know, it's like chicken soup. Uh, and you can make it more fancy. There's things you can add. I add things to mine. But that's it. And she said, these guys started coming back in. So these special forces, these Delta Force guys, uh, and these SEALs, Navy SEALs, that have been just traumatized to hell and uh, they're very vigilant PTSD guys and they're very nice on the surface, but you know, there's time bombs inside of them. They come back and they're talking to Dr. Walls about, uh, uh, how they harvested an animal. They went out and they shot a deer and they took all the bones and they cooked it down and they made this great bone broth and they've been drinking it and they've got their erections back again and they're having, they're having intimacy with their wives again. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, Terry, you've got these. Delta Force guys telling you they're drinking bone broth and they're having sex with their wives again. And they had been impotent because they were so stressed out. She says, yes. And I said, way to go. Way to just high five to you. Way to go. That these basic things make a huge difference. And everyone out there, listen to this. We're so brainwashed by the good life, you know, with Starbucks, uh, Vente, Frothy, uh, whatever the drinks are, you know, that have more calories in them than two sh uh, Snickers bars. And uh, the commercials on television of, of the candy bars and the convenience foods that we eat, you've grown up with all this stuff, you think it's normal, but if you get smart, take a step back and just look at the statistics. Here are the statistics. The World Health Organization rates the United States second in the world in overall quality of health care. Second from the bottom, yet we spend more than any other country on the planet for health care. So whose benefit is it to, to keep the system going the way it's going? That's the first thing. We have to think a little bit. The second thing is, for the first time in the history of the human species, no exaggeration, New England Journal of Medicine, for the first time in the history of the human species, children born today have a shorter projected lifespan than their parents. 
They're going to get sick earlier, diagnosed with diseases at an earlier age, and die at an earlier age than their parents. These are your kids and your future kids. That's the world that you've inherited because my generation screwed it up so bad. But that's the world, and this is really a wake-up call. And the wake-up call is, you guys, you're going down, and you're going down early, and your kids are going down early, unless you're not one of the statistics. And how do you become not one of the statistics? You understand the dynamics. When your body says, you got a problem, and you check for your autoimmune, where's the weak link in your chain? When you check for that, you say, holy cow, I feel great, I feel fine, but look, I've got elevated antibodies in my thyroid. How did that happen? You go to your doctor and says, well, it's normal for some people. You know it's not normal because you've seen the studies in here. It's not normal. That guy just doesn't know. And says, well, well, we'll just watch it. We'll wait and see. Well, what are you waiting for? You're waiting until there's enough degeneration and the symptoms are so bad. Now they can give you the drugs that the pharmaceutical company profits from that you'll take the rest of your life. That's the system that we're stuck in. And we all need a wake-up call to this. You need a wake-up call. That's what this is about. This is 30 years of my life, and it's the wake-up call to just look for yourself and see, do I have a weak link in my chain right now? And if you do, you go, oh, my gosh, I do. All right, so where's the gasoline coming from? And then you start learning more about where the gasoline is coming from. If you take one hour a week, just one hour a week to read about autoimmunity for your thyroid, if that's the one that's the weak link for you, one hour a week in six months, you've got it down. You've really got, you understand all the intricacies of this. It, it, you don't have to do it so it's overwhelming. You just stay consistent. Base hits win the ball game. We don't need home runs. Our whole society is based on home runs. We think we always want a home run. I'm going to reverse this tomorrow. I'm going to take this drug and I'm going to be fine because they squash the symptoms and you think you're fine. So it's the base hit concept. You keep going for base hits, but you have to learn the questions so that you know what ball game you're in. Are you in the ball game of lupus or the ball game of brain deterioration? I had three elevated antibodies to my brain in my mid forties. I did these tests in 1997 when they were research only. And uh, I was in my mid forties competing in triathlon, scoring in the top people in the 30 to 35 age bracket. So I was really proud of how I was doing. You know, I was in the top third of the 30 to 35 brackets. All right, I'm, I'm maintaining okay, I'm doing fine. It's like 45, 47. And I did this test, I had three antibodies elevated in my brain. Myelin basic protein, that causes MS. Gangliosides, that causes your brain to shrink and you get dementia. And cerebellar peptides, that causes the area of the brain called the cerebellum to shrink. And that's why old people can't walk with grace on the planet anymore. They're awkward and clumsy and guarded. So I said to the lab, this is a mistake. And they said, no, it's not. And I said, do it again. They said, we did. We know it's you. We did it again. It's accurate. So that was the wake-up call for me when I was in the peak performance of my life. So my bones and muscles were working great, but my brain was being killed off. And for all of you, you have the risk in this toxic world we live in that there's a weak link in your chain right now. That's why your kids are going to die at earlier ages than you. And you'll die at an earlier age than your parents. That's why. is because you've got these weak links, and they haven't killed off enough tissue yet to where it's obvious. And so it keeps killing off more, killing off more, until one day it becomes obvious. And then most docs just give you a pharmaceutical a prescription 
to cover up the symptoms. So you think you're okay now, but you never feel quite right. And it just keeps getting worse under the surface because you're still throwing gasoline in the fire because no one has said, is it gasoline or kerosene? So I'll pause now. I'm, I'm on a roll. I, I, I love it, Dr. I mean, uh, I, I think if you didn't catch every man's attention who is listening to this, uh, but some of the stuff you're talking about with Dr. Walls there, uh, they weren't listening at all. Uh, so that's one thing I want to point out. Like you said, this is not uh, rocket science. Like if you're doing the simple things, like you said, it doesn't have to be the next greatest supplement, the next greatest thing. It's making the simple changes to the diet. You, you outline how to do all this stuff. It's not that difficult, especially if you want to thrive and just be vital and healthy uh, and not have that decreased lifespan. So I, I'm curious, just one or two more questions here because I want to be respectful of your time, but what is it then that is your vision for a healthy future? What does health look like now, 10 years, 100 years, but for yourself, for your family, and just for a global population even? I've been saying this for the last 20 years, that if you want to take your grandkids hiking in the Alps in your 80s, you need to deal with this now, right? And so that's one of my personal goals. My granddaughter, my first granddaughter was born uh, five months ago, and I want to take well, congratulations her Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. I want to take her hiking uh, in the Dolomites in the Italian Alps when I'm in my 80s and uh, my other grandkids, however many there may be. But it's what you do now. You know, I just saw this marvelous, marvelous video uh, on Facebook. Someone sent it to me. It's this 80-year-old Chinese guy. And there's been 20 million views on this thing. 20 million views. And this guy is unbelievable. Uh, he's stronger now than he was in his 20s. And I don't mean lifted weights. I just mean stronger with life and vitality. Uh, and he's a model for all of us. He really is as to what's possible. Anything's possible. Anything at all. Uh, whatever you want is possible if you do the right training. And what, what's the training? Is learning how to take care of this body. Your body's a machine. Are you going to treat it like a uh, Ferrari or are you going to treat it like a Rambler or a Volkswagen? You know, how do you treat it? Well, I treat it really good. Oh, really? What's that crap that you're eating? It's like the uh, uh, taxi driver yesterday uh, picked me up at the uh, hotel in Baltimore to take me to the airport. And uh, he said, oh, you're a doctor, aren't you? I said, yes, yes, yes. You're at this good? Yeah, I was at the convention. I was speaking there. So well, I'm healthy. I said, no, you're not. Look at that crap you're eating. And he looked at me, and it was a trail mix near his shift lever. And there were some raisins in there and some nuts, but a bunch of M&Ms. I said, you know, the nuts are good. The raisins are okay. Not too many. The raisins are okay. But the M&Ms, that's the stuff that's going to kill you. That's the stuff that... It's just toxic to your body. Oh, really? You know, so we, we have these impressions, and there's different stages of awareness. You do one hour a week. One hour a week. Maybe it's listening to Nick's uh, podcast. One hour a week. Uh, just whatever you do, but you stay consistent with it. And if it makes sense to you, like stop throwing gasoline on the fire, and you say, okay, what's the, what's the gasoline in my life. Well, you don't know. You don't know because if you knew, you wouldn't do it consciously. You wouldn't do it. So you have to find out where is it coming from. And you stay consistent addressing this. And in six months or a year, you're, you've got it down. You've got the lifestyle habits to treat this body like a Ferrari. And there we go, Dr. Ryan. So that, that, that is all what 
I, I, I don't know anybody who doesn't want to have their body functioning like the Ferrari, uh, as you said. Now, uh, one of the last questions I always ask people who come on the show is, who would you want to hear on this podcast? Meaning, really, who do you like to listen to and learn from? And what is it specifically that you would either want them to talk about or what would you want to ask them? Terry Walls. I, uh, I was just shocked to hear of who her clientele is. Now, I didn't know. You know, She's a friend, but I didn't know what she did day to day in her clinics. And she's dealing with the vets that have been really damaged, the ones that can't function. They're on disability. They just cannot function. Their lives are shot. Their marriages are shot. They can't relate to their kids. They got messed up. They got messed up. And a year later, a year into her program, their marriage is back. They're, they're engaged to their life. They're the baseball coach for their kid's team. You know, that their lives have come back. And it's the simple, basic stuff that everyone needs to learn, the basic, simple stuff. Now, what this one is about is to measure, to identify where's the weak link in your chain so that it's a, it's a wake-up call say, to see that, wow, I didn't know I had that going on. And then it's just the basic, simple things that you need to learn to do. You don't need a lot of fancy vitamins. We need some because we're so depleted. And But after a while, you build your system up. You need just a really good multiple, maybe a little extra fish oil. After you've built your system up, you may need CoQ10 and alpha-lipoic acid and the B-complex and all that stuff for a while to rebuild your healthy cells. But after that, the Terry Walls protocol, you start with Terry Walls protocol, my protocol, they're very similar. You start with these basic protocols and then you learn about living a healthy lifestyle, I mean really a healthy lifestyle. Not some brown rice and sprouts, uh, macrobiotic fanatic diet, which is okay, some people need that. If I had cancer, I'd consider a macrobiotic diet, but I won't live on a, personally on a macrobiotic diet now. But for some people, it works really well. But you just want to learn the basic, simple things to start with. So I, I would suggest you invite Dr. Walls on your program. And I'll certainly have to do that. I've uh, read her book. I mean, listened to a lot of her stuff. And just as you said, it's, it, it's awesome. And, and really, though, in closing, Dr. Brian. Where can everybody find out all about the simple stuff that you're outlining here to really find that weak link in the chain? Where can they go? What can they do to really just help you out then getting this message out there? Oh, thank you. Uh, there are three things. The first is the book. Uh, that's, that's what this message is. This is 30 years of my life here. Uh, and it just, just came out and the reviews have been really kind and really nice. And I think it's a great book. I think it's an OMG book. And if you don't have an OMG response when you read it, then I did something really wrong. Uh, so that's the first. The second, our website is thedr.com, thedoctor.com, just the initials DR, thedr.com. And the third is that I've been traveling the world this year, well, since last October, interviewing uh, the leaders in the field of autoimmunity. And uh, we're hosting a docu-series uh, coming up in November uh, called betrayal what they're not telling you about your immune system and what you'll learn from you'll hear it from the experts I, I've 78 experts I've been in London and Lisbon and Madrid and Barcelona and Leipzig Germany Sao Paulo and you're gonna hear all these experts telling you what the science tells us and then you're gonna hear the patients who were diagnosed with different autoimmune diseases 
They even hear from their doctors of what their doctors did for them, how they did it, and basic protocols I've told you here today, that's what they all did. And then you're gonna hear the patient say when their symptoms completely went away and they could walk again from the train station to their home. And she says, it's not a big deal. And then she starts tearing up. And she says, but it is. And you know, it grabs your heart when you hear these stories. And just these basic protocols can make such a world of difference for all of us. So those three places, the autoimmune fix, the dr.com, and the series, the docu-series coming out in November, Betrayal. Dr. O'Brien, I want to just say thank you again for not only writing this book, uh, I, I've seen some of the people that you're going to be uh, interviewing, just uh, some of the names on there, just fantastic people. Everybody needs to go check this out. Make sure you're leaving reviews because that's really going to help get the word out about this. So, Dr. O'Brien, again, just thank you so much for your time and thank you for sharing this with everybody. Nick, thank you so much. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to head over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to check out the show notes for today's episode. While you're there, go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and the show is sponsored by you guys. Each of you that I work with helps me to be able to put out podcasts like this for free. So thanks again for your love and support. Finally, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health Podcast a positive comment and five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others. So thank you.